Okay, thank you, Brother Dan. This morning, our subject, of course, is John the Baptist. Uh, that's the title as well as the family theme. Our objective is that we would put uh, life lessons that we're going to learn from today from John uh, into practice in our lives. We're going to be in various scriptures in the Gospels, and we're going to look at three or four things here. First of all, an introduction to John the Baptist. We're going to look at some key events in his life. We're going to take some, hopefully, life lessons to apply from John the Baptist and maybe some ways to respond. Uh, The problem is there's so much scripture today, and uh, I have gone through it a couple of times trying to eliminate some of the verse reading uh, and trying to keep what we can in, in order to grasp what their goal is in the lesson today. So when we begin to read, I try to help you on the ones that I have. Uh, and I realized, Alan let me know last week, that the quarterly you have, for whatever reason, doesn't have nearly the verses that we cover uh, during our lesson. Now, again, uh, Alan, I did email to you the verse we were going to use. I may even have to eliminate some of this. But I'll let, we know, let you guys know as we go through reading this lesson. But let's go ahead and do our connect this morning. Think about planning for a wedding or a big birthday party or any kind of event. Um, what's some things involved in that? What's involved in that? Say it again. Okay, a lot of planning. All right. What are some of the things? Why do you, why do you say that, Dan? Got to have food. That's good. All right. More. Some more things. Say it again. Yeah, you got to have a place to have it. Uh, in July, if Dad lives that long, he'll be 90 years old, and we're already planning a 90th birthday party. And the first thing we had to determine is where to have it. And uh, and then we, I, I realized, you know, uh, once you reserve a place, uh, you're not going to get your deposit back. Uh, so we thought, well, we better look for a place pretty cheap because he may not make it till July. I mean, I don't mean to be morbid there, but that's just part of life. So you got to have a place, got to have the food there. What else? Decoration. <laughs> a lot of things. Uh, if you're going to have food prepared, uh, sometimes you need p- people to serve that food, depending on what kind of, uh, of gathering it is. Uh, you know, is it going to be a potluck? Are you going to have it catered in or whatever? So, again, what if, what if you were hosting an event <laughs> where Jesus would come? Then what would you do? Think about that. Do it again. Oh, oh thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks a lot. I was talking to Ken Holland this week. He called me, and uh, Ken is not doing well physically. Pray for him as well. He's got a tumor behind his ear, and they did some treatment on that, but it didn't help, and then it's growing. So, uh, But anyway, he's still in good spirits, and, and he said, well, I don't do weddings anymore. I just, I just give him Sean's name. His boy's name's Sean, and I give him Sean's name. So I thought, I bet Sean likes that. you know. But anyway, yeah, call somebody else, right? But here's what's interesting. Now think about this. When we think of John the Baptist, his primary responsibility was preparing the way for Jesus Christ. That's exactly why he was sent when he was sent into our world, to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. 
Now, we know that sin entered our world through Adam and Eve, their disobedience. And God made a promise that he would send a Redeemer. And, of course, in chapter 12 of Genesis, uh, God called Abraham to leave his his country, his surroundings. And he promised Abraham, through you, all the world will will be blessed. And we know that that promise was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ, even though it began in Abraham's day. So, again, that being said, the fulfillment of that covenant, that promise to Abraham, was when Christ came into our world. So he would come, save us from our sin. And Isaiah, now think about this, 700 years earlier, prophesied, that God was going to send a man to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. Now, again, we're studying John, and what was John's job? Prepare that way. So that prophecy, 700 years earlier, again, came just like God said it would. Now, would you agree that God sent a unique man? In fact, notice the picture on the, on the, on the uh, PowerPoint. What is that picture of there? And a grasshopper. Uh, they would have called them locusts back then. So what's the significance of that? That's what John ate. Now, I thought about that as I looked at that this morning. I thought, well, I wonder if he had a, had a bowl and just dipped it in there. Uh, did, that, did that make you hungry? No. So <laughs> a little bit different. Honey and wild locusts. Okay, let's look at some key events in John's life. Number one. John the Baptist pointed people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, hope we can you can follow along with my instructions. Let's read uh, Luke chapter one, verse five. Skip down to verse eleven and third to thirteen, and then skip to verse fifteen through seventeen. Anybody want to do that? Skip down to verse 11 to 13, please. Skip down to verse 15. I'm sorry. Verse 15 through 17 now. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn from the work their gods. And shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he turns the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just. Make ready the people prepared for the Lord. Now go to Luke chapter 1, verse 41 and 42.
John 1, verse 6 through 8. John 1, verses 6 through 8. Okay, go down to verse 19 through 27 now. 19 through 27. Skip down to verse Get down to verse 34, please. Down to verse, go read through verse 36, all the way down to 36. Sorry about that. Skip to Matthew chapter 3 now, verse 13 through 17. Matthew 3, verse 13 through 17. Oh, I'm sorry, down to verse 17. 
Read verse 16 and 17. Thank you, Dan, quite a bit of reading there. But again, we're looking at the life of John the Baptist, uh, more literally John the Baptizer. It would be a, probably a better title for him. Uh, but nonetheless, first of all, think about his birth. What was different about his birth? What do you mean old? Yeah, they were. They were past childbearing years. And they'd been praying for years that God would grant them a son. Now, you need to remember, in that day and time, it was a disgrace, uh, at least not to have at least one son to pass on the heritage to. And so they prayed and prayed for that. And Zechariah, uh, he was part of the uh, order of Abiah, and I think there were 24 orders of priests. And they would take turns serving in the tabernacle for a period of time. And if my memory serves me correctly, I studied that years ago, normally in your lifetime you had one chance. You know, you wouldn't live that long to have two normally. And, of course, it was Zechariah's time to serve there. And while he was there, an angel of God appeared to him and says to him, you're going to have a son. Remember what Zechariah's response was? I'm too old. In fact, he just didn't believe it. So what did God do to him for nine months? Took his speech away. Well, you know the story. So here we have John the Baptist was born. About the same time, the angel met with, let me back up a bit, about six months earlier, an angel had met with Mary and told her the same thing. You're going to have a son. And so nonetheless, both were from God. And again, Mary's birth was the virgin birth. John's was not, okay? And also it's interesting, uh, you said you took his voice away. And when the baby was born, uh Elizabeth said, we're going to name him John. And people couldn't believe it. Well, that's not your husband's name. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, what are you doing this? And they asked John, our scarf, they asked Zechariah. We well, had to write that name down. Yes, his name is going to be John. Well, in the, you know, in the meantime, we said earlier, six months earlier, uh, Mary found out she was going to have a baby. And uh, so now Elizabeth's going to have a baby. Uh, up in year, beyond childbearing years. And so Mary decides to go down and talk to Elizabeth about her situation, what God was doing. And what's interesting, uh, the Bible says that as soon as Mary greeted Elizabeth, the baby in the womb of, of um, Elizabeth, which was John, leaked in her womb. Somehow, in some way, the baby recognized that Jesus was in the present. Now, again, in the womb of Mary. So we see, again, a miracle from God. Several things about John the Baptist, or John the Baptist, the Bible tells us, uh, that he would, uh, uh, he would have to, he would be a, a, a Nazarite for life. He was not to drink any alcohol. Uh, he would not be uh, any, eat any grapes, anything from the fruit of the vine. And, of course, that's what we call the Nazarite vow. And also understand, according to Isaiah, according to Malachi, uh, John uh, 
would be a uh, fulfillment uh, of those prophecies that he would come and he would help turn Israel back to God. That's exactly what he did. Now, I do want to point out, uh, you've heard of the Nazarite vow before. Do you remember any Nazarites from the Old Testament that are pretty well known? Anyone at all? Samson was one. He wasn't a very good example, but he was one. But also Samuel was one that's really noted. Now, again, uh, that was a special vow that they took. For uh, Sometimes it would be uh, just for a period of time. Uh, but for Samuel and Samson, it would be a lifetime. And when Samson sinned, he lost that privilege. But he begged God for forgiveness, and God granted it back to him. You know the story. Uh, but for John, it would be for a lifetime, not just a period of time. Now, also, uh, don't make a mistake in believing that Jesus was a, was a Nazarite. He did not take the Nazarite vow. Why not? He didn't, amen. He just didn't need to. Now, he, so to call him a Nazarite would be a misnomer. Now, he was from Nazareth, so he was Jesus of Nazareth, but he didn't officially take the Nazarite vow. So there we have the birth of John the Baptist, how God worked that all out. Now, remember, God already had a plan to send someone to prepare the way for the Messiah. So John goes out. Now, uh, again, that's his primary goal is to prepare the way, but he's also to prepare the people. A new age is coming. The kingdom of God is now at hand. So John goes out and he begins baptizing. And what happens? Do what now? Not yet. Let's back up a little bit. What's going on first? I mean, there are crowds coming out. To be baptized. Oh, absolutely they were. And especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were wondering. But he was drawing multitudes of people and he was baptizing them. Now also understand, John preached the word. And the only way he baptized people, if he saw signs of repentance and good works. Now, not that they were earning that, but John says, I need to have a reason to baptize you. And that's true in the scriptures. But you're right. They came, and especially the Pharisees, uh, the religious order, sent an entourage, find out what is going on. And uh, we read, Daniel read from John's account in chapter 1 of John. And the first thing John says right away I am not the Christ. Let's get that cleared up, okay? I am not him. Now, why do you think he would say that? Other than that, it's the truth. Yeah, no doubt. Some people thought he was. Can you imagine the crowds that gathered because of his preaching? So John said, let's clear that up. I am not the Christ. So the Pharisees heard him say that. That's strike number one. The second thing they they asked him, the second thing was, are you Elijah? Nope, I am not him either. The third, the, the third thing they were concerned about, that he wasn't the Christ, he's not Elijah. Are you that prophet? Well, now Deuteronomy chapter 25 prophesied there'd be a prophet to come. Well, that prophet was really of Jesus, okay. But John says, no, I am not that prophet. 
So they get their thinking caps on and say, okay, now hold on a minute. You're not the Christ. You're not Elijah. You're not that prophet. Then what in the world are you doing baptizing? Who gave you that authority? Now, keep in mind, John was adamant. He was baptizing people, but he was not the Christ. And it's interesting, and Pam, you mentioned a moment ago, as John is baptizing, one day Jesus shows up. And he looks and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So where's John pointing? Who's he pointing people to? To Jesus. Now, can you imagine this? Could John have... Gained a lot of popularity in his day? Sure he could. I mean, he'd been on, on all the TV programs. I mean, he could have got all the headlines. But he said, look, I have got to decrease and he must increase. Another interesting thing, and Dan, you read it a moment ago. John, Jesus shows up and he wants John to do what to him? Yeah, baptize me, John. So John said, okay, let's get, let's get on. Is that what he said? Yeah. Damn, why would you say that? He did. Yeah. He knew who Jesus was, and he knew who he, he was not. But Jesus said, John, just let it be so. Fulfill righteousness but also the implication is to set an example. So John baptized Jesus. And John said right away, a dove ascended, and God spoke and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now think about this for a moment, okay? We know that Elizabeth made that journey down, I'm sorry, Mary made the journey to Elizabeth. We know when Mary greeted Elizabeth, John leaped in her womb, Elizabeth's womb. But we're not really told anything after that about any interaction they had. And John made the statement, I knew him not. Okay? And yet somehow, at the baptizing, what did God tell John? It's him. This is him. Now think about this. John downplayed his own importance. And he pointed people to Jesus. Now my question is, why would that be a struggle for a lot of us? No, they, they wouldn't want that. And they want the glory. Now, John had that opportunity, but he didn't. He turned people toward Jesus. So key truth, number one, key event, John pointed people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, John the Baptist preached the truth of God. Okay, hope I can do a better job than I did with Dan. Uh, sorry, Dan, I didn't give you some of the good instructions there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3. Let's read verses 1 and 2, and then skip down to verse 11 and 12.
Yes. 11 through 12. Okay, thank you. Go to uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Okay, go to Matthew 14 now, please. Verse 3 through 12. Matthew 14, verses 3 through 12. Thank you. Wow. Now remember, John did come to prepare the way for the Lord. But he didn't come simply to say the Messiah is here. That was part of it. But God also wanted John to preach the truth to the people. So they would be better prepared and better understand the things that Jesus would teach when he arrived. Now think about this. Let me ask a question. What kind of preacher do you think John was? Say it again. Okay. Okay. Do you think he... Uh, Kind of soft shoot of way through the tulips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you, I think he told it like it was. The kingdom of God's at hand. Yeah, which means what? Change. There needs to be change. Now remember, John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, is the first prophet for 400 years. 
And during that period of time, they probably thought God had forgotten them. Probably got lax in their religion. And they were probably going through the motions, but nothing of any depth or heartfelt position in their life over that. And John says we need to repent. Now also understand something, folks. He demands, like you said, Dan, he demanded repentance and good works. So John says you need to know that the kingdom of God is at hand. And it's here and you and you don't there's no reason to maintain the old religious status and rituals unless you've got an inward change. And by the way, God has always dismissed empty religion. Psalm 50 talks about that. Isaiah chapter 1 talks about that. And John says, look, you can't count on the fact that you're a Jew. Your religious heritage doesn't mean anything other than if you're a Jew, that's it. In fact, he reminded them that God could make children of Abraham out of rocks if he wanted to. So John said, you've got to repent. And you've got to repent from sin. The second thing he did, he preached the arrival of God's kingdom. And John says, that's enough motivation to change. You need to repent. Repent of your old way of living. Submit to the authority of God over your life. And begin now living in obedience to your true king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember... Maybe when you were growing up, either you and your siblings or you and some of your friends were doing something that you knew you shouldn't really do. And mom and dad wouldn't like it. They saw you doing it. And all of a sudden, mom or dad began to walk into the area. You say, what? Uh Uh-oh. Here comes mom and dad. We better what? Yeah, we better stop. We better change. And John says, you've been playing around too long. He's here. He is here. The king is here. Change your ways and act right. Live like God expects us to live. The third thing that John did, he preached what was right. My question is this. In reality, when does right become wrong? Never. And when does wrong become right? Never. Now, <laughs> I'm glad you read that this morning. That's a great story. Not my favorite one in the Bible about John the Baptist being beheaded. But at any rate, there was an immoral marriage going on. Herod had a brother named Philip, and Philip was married to Herodias. And Herodias divorced Philip so she could marry his brother Antipas. So John comes along and said, don't worry about that, no big deal. 
Now remember, this is Herod Antipas. He's in charge. What did John tell him? You're wrong. What you did was wrong, and the way you're living is what? It's wrong. It is simply wrong. You make a mocking out of a mockery out of marriage, and that is not lawful. What you're doing. Wow, John, couldn't you be a little bit easier on that? But he wasn't. He preached the truth. Now, understand this. There were certainly some in Herod's circle that wanted John killed. Why didn't Herod do it right away? Pray to the people, yeah. And, and, and there was something inside of Herod, this is Herod Antipas now, who recognized, you know what, this is, this is somebody special here too. But most of all, he was afraid of the people. So one day... His wife had a birthday. And she came and danced for John, whatever. And Herodias' daughter began, or danced, if you will, not, not her. And she says, or he says, ask for anything, I'll give it to you. Now, by the way, she had, her mother had already talked about this, right? And her mother, her mother wanted what? I want John's head. Well, so what did her daughter ask for? John's head. And even when he didn't want to, he had John beheaded. Now think about this, okay? Let's go to Matthew 11 for a moment. We're going to find that John did trust God's promises. And I realize we're getting close to the time. <clears throat> and I'm going to read just just an introductory verse in verse 2. Now, when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art, art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now, I don't know how long John had been in prison, but what happened there? Begin to doubt. Now, again, I could be wrong about this, but I'm assuming that this was John was in prison, he would not get out of there alive. The Bible says he told a couple of disciples... Go and ask Jesus. Is he the one or or do we need to look for another? Now, of all people, would you expect John to ask that question? No, me neither. But what does that show us about John? He was human. And let's think about this. I think John knew he had a call from God on his life. But I don't, I don't think in his wildest imagination he, he expected this. I mean, it's just not working out like he thought it would. 
And let's, let's be honest, we all have preconceived ideas of how we think things ought to work out. Isn't that true? And then when they don't, we do what? We question God. Are you sure, God? Are you really in charge? So anyway, now think about this, okay? They go to Jesus, and he said, you go back and tell John, people are being healed, dead are being raised, the blind are receiving their sight. Just like was prophesied in the Old Testament. And of course, John then knew that Christ indeed was the one. So what did Jesus think about this? Now remember, do you think Jesus knew before they came to him and said, John's got a question? Sure he did. And Jesus later began to speak to the multitudes. He said, John came and he began preaching. And you all went out to see him. And when you went out there, what did you expect? Did you, did you think you would see a, a, a reed shaken by the wind? And a reed is that, you know, what goes around ponds and lakes and we used to call them cattails. You know, I don't know if that's the right thing to do that or not. Not very much strength. They would, and the wind would blow a little bit and they'd shake. And it was used in that culture to refer to someone without little moral fiber. Moved every which way. Did you go out to see somebody like that? If you did, guess what? You're disappointed. That is not John. Or did you go out to see somebody wearing great clothes, fancy clothes? Nuh-uh. That's not John. People like that live in palaces. That's not John. Or did you go out to see a prophet? He wasn't that reed. He wasn't dressed in soft clothes, but guess what? He was a prophet. Jesus said, I want you to understand something. He's that messenger that God sent to you to let you know that I have arrived. And he says, I want you to realize Among all the prophets, none of them were greater than John the Baptist. So what did Jesus think about John the Baptist? Yeah, he had a high, high evaluation for John the Baptizer. Now, by the way, it doesn't mean the other prophets weren't great. What he's talking about, the privilege John had. You see, Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah to come, but what did John see? He saw the Messiah. So that's what made him greater. They all prophesied about the coming of Christ, and then it came about. But John was not only there to warn them about it, he was able to witness that very event take place. Now remember something, folks. God chooses his prophets. He chooses the time to send them as well. So John was set aside just for this purpose. But then one day, 
<laughs> Jesus was in Judea and with his disciples, and they were baptizing. Now, it's probably not Jesus, but the disciples were. And there were a lot of people being baptized. And uh, John was also baptizing uh, in the Enon uh, River near Salem. And uh, some of John's disciples came to say, hey, we got some competition going on over there. Uh, you know, they're baptizing the same way you are. And John says to basically to them, what? Don't worry about it. I told you. I told you I'm not the Christ. I'm not that prophet. I'm not Elijah. But I came to bear witness of him. I came to introduce him. And John says, he has to increase, and I must decrease. So what do we learn? How much time have I got left, Allah? Oh, we're good then. Okay. Uh, let's look at some things we learned. Remember, the most important responsibility John had was to point people to who? To Jesus. And that ought to be our goal as well, is pointing people to Jesus Christ, to share the good news of the gospel. Now, let me remind you of a trap I fell in for years. For whatever reason... For years, I thought it was my job to get people saved. And guess what? Yeah, it's not, it's, it's Jesus, that's yeah, right. It's not my job. And I, I can't. And for years, I felt so guilty because I, I, I couldn't get my dad to get saved. I still can't get him to get saved. I, I can't do that. But I can do what? I can point him to Jesus. And what a privilege that is. Second of all, as one of his children, there's sin in our lives. We need to repent of all that and obey him out of love for him. And I think you know it already, but being right with God is more than going through the motions. It's a heartfelt issue. The third life issue is to believe God's promises even when doubts come into our lives. What happened to John in prison? He began what? He began to doubt. And he needed reassurance of God's promises. And I don't remember where I heard this last few, just in the last few weeks. Never forget in the darkness what God has said in the light. Remember his promises. The fourth lesson we can learn is to live by God's truth and graciously and respectfully share that truth to a lost world. 
An important principle here is this. Whenever we are sharing the truth of the lost world, don't do it with an attitude like, I dare, but open our arms and say, we care about you. That's why we tell you the truth. We don't want you to die and go to a devil's hell and be eternally separated from the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think today we've had a good lesson from the life of John the Baptist that we can take and apply to our lives throughout the rest of this year, which is coming up, the new year as well. All right, next week. And Alan, I noticed it didn't happen in your quarterly, but John, I'm sorry, Jonah chapter 4, verse 3, Jeremiah 20, verses 4 through 14 through 18, 1 Kings 9, verses 1 through 18, 1 Kings 21, 17 through 29. And I will email them to you, Alan, so you'll have them, all right? Let's all stand. Thank you so much for coming to Sunday School. Thank you for loving the Lord and for loving His Word. Father, we love you today. We praise you and we thank you for the example of John the Baptizer. I pray, Lord, that we will uh, order our lives to um, please you in everything we say or do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless each one of you.